this was uh, this was the week that uh, Donald Trump did his State of the Union, right? Love him, hate him, that's up to you. But just, uh, to, this week was his State of the Union address, and I thought it was a little bit ironic because uh, the message that I wanted to share with you today, I, I almost felt like it was... It was, it was almost like my state of the union to you, something that I felt like moving forward we need to embrace, something that I, I feel like needs to become a part of who we are, our, our DNA, something, something that we can't live without. And uh, that, that's how important I, I, I feel about this. So um, let me get into it. Uh, uh, it's a call to be small. And you think, that doesn't even make any sense. We want to grow. We want to be bigger. Well, there's a sermon coming that will explain it all. If you have your Bibles, Acts chapter 2, uh, verse 42 to 47. Acts 2, 42 to 47. If you don't have your Bibles, we put it up on the screen. But I encourage you, don't get lazy. You can still bring your Bible to church. How many bring their Bible to church? Just let me see, just for fun. Wave it. Wave it in the air like you just don't care, you know? Yeah. All right. Bring it, man. Bring it. You know, it says we live in this book and we visit others. But this is the book we live in, okay? So bring it. Bring it. I encourage you to bring it. Uh, Acts chapter 2 says this. All the believers devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship and to sharing in meals, including the Lord's Supper, and to prayer. A deep sense of awe came over them all, and the apostles performed many miraculous signs and wonders. Uh, And all the believers met together in one place, and they shared everything they had. They sold their property and possessions and shared the money with those in need. They worshiped together at the temple each day. They met in homes for the Lord's Supper, and they shared their meals with great joy and generosity, all the while praising God and enjoying the goodwill of all the people. And each day, each day, the Lord added to their their fellowship those who were being saved. It's a great little passage of Scripture. Uh, Those of you that have been in church, you've probably read this and heard sermons from this many times. If you've never heard this story or this little portion, this comes right at the tail end of Acts chapter 2, which is, uh, uh, Acts chapter 2 is famous for the giving of the Spirit. And the Holy Spirit arrives in the upper room in Acts chapter 2. And we're going to talk about that uh, in our prayer series. And uh, as we head into Pentecost Sunday in the spring, we're going we're gonna to angle and spend some time in there. But uh, it's when the Holy Spirit was given, and it was a life-changing, transformative moment for the church. The disciples went from being scared, hiding, uh, uh, um, just having no courage and, and no ability to stand up for themselves in terms of uh, their testimony for Jesus. And after the Holy Spirit comes, and they're filled, they speak in tongues, they... they the, the, their whole world is changed. You, you know, the, it's like Clark Kent becomes Superman. It was like that. It was everything changed, the way, uh, the way that they, they operated and the way that they did stuff. And so uh, Acts chapter 2 is a, is a very important chapter. It's really the beginning of the church. 
It's how the church started. And, uh, and so we'll look at that later. We're going to look at the end of the chapter today. So a call to small or a call to be small. It sounds strange, I know, but I believe that it's something that God is actually calling us to do. I'm not talking about another program. I'm, I'm not. I'm talking about, like I said earlier, something that's more in the DNA of our church, a way of life, something that I believe will allow us to live better individually and, uh, and, and to make a more powerful impact on those around us together as we, as we come together corporately. Now, the words power and small don't always go together. Usually, you know, we think of big and powerful and sometimes we don't think small and powerful, unless like you have like a grandma, you know, who's small and powerful. But uh, sometimes we don't put those words together. But have you ever noticed in God's kingdom, things tend to work a little bit different? Have you noticed that? You know, when I am weak, then I'm... Yeah, that's not what the world says, right? Sometimes the kingdom is different. A lot of times it's different. Staying small is powerful, and I want us to make it a priority as we move ahead into the future, and let me explain, because you're still a little bit lost as to what I'm talking about, but that's okay. I'm trying to keep you. I'm trying to hook you. All right, okay. As we grow bigger, as we grow bigger as a church, we must grow smaller at the same time. We are growing bigger. And so now the call is, as we're growing bigger, we must grow smaller. God is calling us to be connected, right? To be known to each other, to, to help one another, to support, to encourage one another. All those things. Have you not discovered, I'm sure you have, but to live for Jesus in a broken world, it can be challenging at times. Have you found it challenging at times? Okay, so I have. Maybe not you, but it can be challenging at times. And we, we know, and you know this is true. We know that we can't do this alone. We know that we're not called to be lone rangers, right? It sounds heroic, but ultimately we, we can't last that way. We can't do this alone. We must have help. And, you know, like right from the start, what does God say? He makes man and then he says, it is not good for man to be. Now, I know ladies are saying ladies could do it, but, uh, you know, maybe, maybe. Not guys, though, probably. But, uh, but anyway, you know, but it, it's, it's, it's not good. The, the point is, and all, and all joking aside, it's not good for anybody to be alone. We all need to be connected. It's not good for any of us. So the passage we just read, it's the beginning of the church. And the Holy Spirit comes, and what was a small group of believers, uh, it, it suddenly explodes in growth. Uh, it says uh, earlier in the chapter that 3,000 people were added to the church in one day. Imagine revival hits SPC, and 3,000 people become members of our church. Just think about it. Multiple services. Multiple, multiple services, yeah. But this is what happened, okay? Don't, don't uh, like, think about it practically too, okay? There's about 120 believers. They're meeting. They're praying. The Holy Spirit shows up. God does something powerful. Revival breaks out. Something unique happens. And all of a sudden, 
3,000 people are added to the church that day. Just imagine in one day, that is one heck of a day, right? So all of a sudden, the Lord adds massive amounts of people. Now, it's believed, by the way, that during the first 25 years that the Jerusalem church grew from that day moving on, it grew from, it started at 120, 3,000 people were added the next day, and over the next 25 years, they estimate that it grew to about 50,000 believers. So it, it was something that kept going and going, like it says that the Lord added daily to their numbers, right? So these verses give us a glimpse. Why I wanted to read these was they give us a glimpse into how all the new people were incorporated into the church family, okay? Like seriously, where did they fit all these people, okay? All of a sudden, the church explodes. Where do they go? Well, the answer is small groups. <gasps> small groups. It says, look at, what, look at what they said. Let me point out. Uh, 246, put it up for me. It says they worship together at the temple each day. So first of all, they have church every day. And we can't make it once a week, but they made it every day, okay? Every day. Every day they make it, okay? So they meet every day uh, the, in the temple, and then what? Look at the, then the, after the comment, then they said, it met in where? Homes. Don't miss that. Then they met in homes for fellowship, the Lord's Supper. They shared their meals together with great joy and generosity. So they met at the temple as a whole. So all of them tried to cram into the temple every day as a whole. And then they broke up into small groups all over the city, people that were willing to open their homes, and people went there. So they, they were committed, the, verse 42 is, talks about, they were, they were committed to do four basic things. It says they were committed to the apostles' teaching. By the way, this is the first example of sermon-based groups. Just throwing that in there for you, Blaine. Acts chapter 2. Sermon-based groups. There you go. They go to the temple every day. The disciples teach and preach and teach them something. And then guess what they did? They went back to someone else's house and they, and, and, and they started working it through with each other, right? So they were devoted to the teaching. They were devoted to a fellowship. They were devoted to sharing meals together. And they were devoted to prayer. Those four simple things is what they were devoted to on a regular basis, uh, and, and you'll see, they devoted themselves to teaching, fellowship, sharing of meals, and, and to prayer. So the early church, uh, they, they did more than make converts. And this is what's important, and we need to understand this. It, it, they did more than make converts. They made disciples. And there's a difference, a big difference between a convert and a disciple. And I'll, I'll explain that in, in a, little bit, a little bit more depth later. The church was, I think it was Warren Wiersbe, he talked about, was talking about the early church in, uh, in Acts, and he said, that church, it was unified, it was magnified, and it was multiplied. And uh, I, I, think, I think he's right. They had this powerful testimony among the Jews, and it wasn't just because of the miracles that were happening. Yes, of course, they were getting lots of attention, and yes, God was moving miraculously, People were being healed. Blind eyes were being opened. Lame people were getting up and walking. Amazing miracles were, hap were happening. I mean, the anointing and the power of the Spirit was falling in, a, in, in a, a, just a unique, powerful way. 
But it wasn't just because of the miracles. It was because people all around them were noticing how much they loved each other, how much they supported each other, how different and unique these people were. This was getting them a lot of attention. They were the real deal, right? And it was very powerful. It was attractive to those who weren't a part of it, right? They met daily. They cared daily for each other. They won souls daily. They they studied scripture daily. And their numbers increased daily. That's what it says. So it's it's going on, right? So their faith isn't this once a week uh, thing, you know, but but it was a day-to-day reality of how they lived and what they they were... completely devoted to, four simple things, right? And we're meant, right? So my point is we're meant to be connected. We're meant to be in relationship with each other. We need it. And I I know that you know that's true. So I don't need to spend time convincing you. I think that we understand that to be true. Jesus was followed by many. The crowds would follow him by the hundreds, by the thousands, to sit on the, to hear him preach the Sermon on the Mount, to get fed, you know, the feeding of the 5,000. Jesus was followed by many, but he had a very small group that he was focused on, right? Twelve men. His connection to these 12 men were very, very important. He poured into them. He interacted with them. He lived with them in that sense on, the, on this personal level that, that they, he was deeply connected to them in a more personal way than he was with the crowds, right? He did life with them. He impacted their lives in a transforming way and changed these men for for the better, right? If Jesus did it and the early church did it, my point to us is there must be some value in it for us today. Mm Mm-hmm. There must be some value in this for us. And so why is being connected to a small group of fellow believers important? Why is it important to us? Why is it important to you? Why should it be important to you now, right now, in, tw- in the 21st century, in the middle of Stouffville? Why is, it, why is this important? Well, let me give you a few reasons. Thank you for asking the question. Um, it, I think it's really important. I'll give you, uh, I'll give you a, a one, uh, if you're taking notes, um, I'll give you, the, the heading would be, small groups help us to grow spiritually. And then I want, and then I'll give you some reasons how I think small groups help us to grow spiritually. But look at, uh, read again, put up for me 42 and 43. It says, all the believers devoted themselves to the teaching, Right? to fellowship, to sharing in meals, and to prayer. Those are your four things. And then a deep sense of awe came over them all, and the apostles performed many miraculous signs and wonders. So to us now, we live in this world that pulls us in so many different directions. We have schedules and responsibilities and children and bills and houses and things that we have to look after, and we we need help to stay on track and to keep growing and maturing in Christ, right? Like, learning alone is good, and I encourage you to learn alone. I call it self-feeding, and you need to self-feed, right? No matter how spectacular the sermons are, and they are spectacular, right? 
if you're a guest, they think I'm nuts. But, you know, I'm just fooling around. I'm just kidding. But, 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 but seriously, no matter how good the message is on Sunday, it's not enough, right? It's like you leaving here and saying, I'm, I'm going to go have a really great meal. Have a great meal on Sunday afternoon, and then you don't eat again until next Sunday afternoon, right? Like, you, you maybe be able to do that for a little while, but after a while, it'll catch up to you. You won't be as strong as you should be. You won't be as healthy as you should be. Like, it catches up to you, right? One meal, and this is a meal as we, as we dig into the word. It's our spiritual meal. It's important. You need this. I need this. You know, I get more out of sermons than you do. <laughs> yeah, but it's true. But, uh, but we need this. It's important. But it's only one meal, and we need to be self-feeding more than just one time a week. So it's important. But listen, we, small groups help us to grow spiritually. Learning alone is great. It's possible and it's a good thing. But it doesn't give you all the dynamics that learning in a group does. Being involved in a small group, it's not just for people, by the way, who are hurting. It's not just for people who are going through some personal crisis, you know, like, oh, only needy people go to small groups. That's absolute nonsense. It's for everybody I need one, you need one, everybody needs one. It's important, right? It, it, it benefits us all. P- people these days, by the way, they're obsessed with going to the gym. Have you ever noticed? Now, not, not maybe all of us, but, you know, some of us, like, it's this big thing. And, by the way, generally it's good, right? It's a good thing where people are obsessed with going to the gym and getting in shape you know, losing that weight, we're motivated to get our body into a better, healthier, you know, condition. All that's wonderful. It's all good. But listen, let's make sure that we're not neglecting feeding our spirit and growing and strengthening our spirit and our faith. Guess what lasts longer? Your spirit by a million and a half years, right? So look at what Paul said to Timothy in 1 Timothy 4.8. Uh, Put it up for me. He says, physical training is good, but training for godliness is much better, promising benefits in this life and in the life to come. So yes, we we should be encouraged and encouraging ourselves to get in better shape and to eat better and all that stuff. It's, it's good. We all know that. But we, we can't just do that and not feed our soul, right? It's important that we understand that physical training is good, but spiritual training is even better. It's more important in the long term that we're right on the inside, right? Who cares if your body is ripped and you're in perfect shape, but you're hollow and empty and dark and broken on the inside. It doesn't matter. We have to make sure that we're feeding that spirit too, right? So listen, don't just focus on the physical and forget the spiritual. It's important. It's important. If you're going to do the physical, please don't forget that you must get in spiritual shape too. Don't just grow muscles. Grow stronger on the inside, right? We live in a world that's going to pull us all over the place, and we need to be as strong as we possibly can to face the temptations that are coming our way, to face the challenges that are coming our way. Our world is only going to get more difficult for us to live in. Do you understand? We need all of the power of God 
within us that we can possibly contain to stay on track and to keep moving ahead and to be difference makers in a, in a world that needs God's love so badly. So don't just focus on the physical. Don't, don't, don't forget about the spiritual. So, so here's some benefits. Being in a small group has many spiritual benefits. I'll give you just a few, okay? Number one, small groups create friendships, and we all need friends. I meet so many people who are so lonely. We hate to say that we're lonely. We hate to say that we don't have enough friends because somehow it makes us feel bad about ourselves. But can I just say, no matter who you are, you don't have enough friends. You need more. I need more. You need more. I mean good friends, people that can help us, right? Small groups help us with friendship. We all need it. See, the Bible calls us a family, by the way. So if we're brothers and sisters in Christ, right, we've, adop- we've been adopted into one family. We are, right, together. But if we're, if we're a family, it'd sure be nice if we were friends. Because you know that not all families are friends. You might be my family, but I can't stand you, man. <laughs> you, know, you know, that's how it goes sometimes, right? But we are family. So, like, whether you like me or not, I'm your family. Get over it, you know. But why can't we be friends? And why shouldn't we be friends? And I need friends, and you need friends. So if we're family, we might as well be friends. And so not all families are friends, but, but here's the thing. We're supposed to be. Mm-hmm. We're supposed to be. Look at what uh, John said in John 13, verse 34, 35. It says, so now I'm giving you, this is to believers, right? Now I'm giving you a new commandment. Love each other just as I have loved you. You should love each other. Your love for one another will prove to the world that you are my disciples. Right? They will know we are Christians. Come on. By our love. They will know we are Christians. By our. Although, like young people are going, what? What? I think it was a 70s thing. I think my dad taught it to me. I don't know. But, uh, but it, anyway, we're supposed to love each other. We're family, and we're supposed to love each other, and we're supposed to be friends. So listen, I just want you to know today, this is truth, and I honestly believe this. I believe that we have a room full of really great people, and I mean that sincerely. Yeah, it's true. I... You know, there might be the odd one of you that are pain in the neck. I get that. But, but I just joke. But listen, we have, honestly, it's, it's important to say this. I, if you're a guest today, it's a bit of a family DNA sermon today. But so just, just bear with me. But listen, I, I, I truly believe, I'm biased and I, I love you. But I truly believe that we have a room full of wonderful people. Seriously, wonderful people. Why can't we get to know each other a little bit better? We can make 
some great friendships in this room. There are a lot of new people in this room that are new to our church or, or people that you might see, you say hi, you shake hands as you're walking out the door, but you don't really know them. And I, and I want you to know that that's your loss and it's, and it's our loss because I believe that you're great people. And if we could interact together and become friends, I think we would all benefit from that tremendously. Because you have something to offer a lot. Not just me, all of us. And so I believe that we have a bunch of great people in this room. And it sure would be nice if we could get to know each other better. If we could make some real lasting friendships. See, small groups, why I'm pushing this this morning is I believe that small groups help us to do that. And as we grow bigger, we must grow. It's the call to small, right? We are going to grow bigger. We are growing bigger, right? But as we grow bigger, we must remember that we must grow smaller at the same time. The connection that you have in your life, you must have a small connection. Whether you're a teenager and you're connecting with a small group on Friday nights, whether you're a senior, whether you're a middle-aged person, a young married person, whoever you are, red, yellow, black, and white, doesn't matter who we are. We need friends, and we need to be connected in a small way. It's harder in a big group to make a friend, right? We take a minute or two, and we walk around, and we shake hands. How you doing? How you doing? Good week. How you doing? How you doing? Wonderful, wonderful. Hey, good to see you. Hey, you're looking good. Or if Vic tells us, you know, to, to say something dumb to somebody, then we say, hey, you're looking good or whatever, right? Like, we, we do all this stuff. But you don't have a clue what's going on, right? You don't have a clue, right? This is why I want you to sign up for Guess Who's Coming to Dinner. This is why I want you to join a group. It, as we grow bigger, you're wonderful people. I truly believe that. And I want you to share your faith and your hope and your strength and your gifts with all the people around us, you, you'd benefit and you'd be a tremendous blessing to people around you. You are great and you need to let your greatness rub off on people. I truly believe that. So, you know, we, we say hello in a big setting. We chat a little bit. But when we spend time together in a smaller setting, we get to know each other better. You know this is true. We, we just make a better connection. You go sit for an hour and have a coffee with somebody. You get to know them more in one hour than you would in one year shaking their hands in church. Right? This is true. Right? It's absolutely true. And so when we spend time together in smaller settings, we're going to make better connections. And because I believe you're all wonderful people, you're going to make some great friends that you'll have from now until Jesus calls you home. We have untapped friendship and potential right in our room that we're not taking full advantage of. And so I encourage you, one of the spiritual blessings, one of the things, the ways that small group help us to grow spiritually is it creates friendships, and friendships are good for us. And so I I encourage that. The second, the other benefit that small groups do is they, they create friendships, and second, they create fellowship. Now, Fellowship is a, is a, a weird word. Uh, it, it, like, we don't walk around. It's such a churchy word, right? Like, you don't go to work and say, hey, uh, do you want to go out and have some fellowship? 
the guy would look at you like, I don't know what the heck you're talking about, man. Like, I don't even know what you're saying, right? It's a bit of an odd word, but, but it, it, it can be. I get that. But when we say the word, okay, in church, when we say the word fellowship, we, we tend to think of food, which is always good. Food always makes better fellowship, right? But we think of food, joking around, talking, you know, out in the lobby, whatever, at some gathering in church. And, and for sure, that's part of it. And, and there's value in that. I'm not, not denying that. But there's, there's something more to the word fellowship than I think we, we, we understand time, at times. In verse 42, it says that the people devoted themselves to four things. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. They devoted themselves to fellowship. That's what it says. So what, what the word fellowship there in uh, Acts 2.42, it's the Greek word koinonia. And it, it's, a, it's a very interesting word. The more you dig into it, the more you can get out of it. But koinonia basically means association, connection, communion, uh, a close relationship. This is, this is what koinonia means. So when they're saying they devoted themselves to fellowship, they didn't, they're not talking about being friendly and chatting, how's the weather, how's the weather, how's your kids as we sip coffee out in the lobby. No, their fellowship was they were devoted to each other to really understand each other, to get to know each other, to be connected to each other. They, they made sure they took the time and made the effort to really get to know Bob Jones because Bob, Bob's a great guy and I need to get to know him. And they, made their, they just made sure that they were connected in that way. They were, they were, they, they, it says they were committed and devoted to do four things, and one of them was fellowship. And that it was this sense of, of closeness, of association, of connection. It, it doesn't refer to a one-hour party or chatting in the lobby. It was something a lot deeper and a lot more meaningful than that. They were doing life together, and they were really getting to know each other better and properly. And this is, what, this is what the word fellowship truly, truly means. So being in a small group with other believers, it will help us create deeper connections, better fellowship with each other, right? The fellowship of the ring, right? It will create a small group of people come together. They get to know each other to do a wonderful task. Little Lord of the Rings, uh, that was good, right? Not in my notes, that was just, a, that was just came right out, yeah, yeah. So there's power in small, you see, there's power in small. So it helps us create fellowship. Okay, I got to go on uh, and finish up here. So they, it creates friendship, uh, small groups create fellowship. The, the, a third benefit, uh, a spiritual benefit that I believe small groups can provide to us is it helps us create disciples. So... I just I said earlier that they weren't they weren't into just making converts, right? Look at what Jesus said in Matthew 28, uh, 18 to 20. He says, Jesus came, told his disciples, this were, these were his parting words as he left, right? His last command. He said, I've been given all authority in heaven and on earth. Therefore, go and make what? Does it say converts? No. Disciples of all nations. Baptizing in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Teach these new disciples to obey all the commands I have given you. Be sure of this. I am with you always, even to the end of the age. I love that when he says that. 
He's with us right now, right here. He's hearing my words. He's right here among us. So he says, go and make disciples. So a real disciple of Jesus is someone who is growing, someone who is changing, somebody who is transforming and learning and maturing, somebody who's making progress, right? It's someone who takes the commitment to follow Jesus seriously. Converts come and go. It's like the seed story where seed is sown and some spring up real quick, but then it's taken away. A disciple is a person who's saying, the seed that's planted in my spirit will not be yanked out by the enemy or by the world. I am taking this commitment seriously. It's this deeper, more committed stand, right? And, and so uh, it's somebody who takes their, their commitment that they've made to the Lord seriously. A disciple should have the desire to make progress. A disciple is a person, by the way, who should be thriving and not just surviving. That was good. Write that one down, right? But it's true. So many times, so many believers, we've we got all of our issues and all of our baggage and the darkness and the pain and the, the weight of everything is upon me and I drag around and I'm just like, I'm going to just by the skin of my teeth, you know, I just hope I die soon and get to heaven so I can get out of this place. And it's, that's not thriving. I've come to give you life, right? And life more both now and forevermore, right? So we, we have the abundance of the Holy Spirit. We have the ability to, to thrive and not just survive. A disciple is committed to getting what needs to be made right in my life, make it right, to rid myself of the sin and the baggage that hold me back, to follow Jesus with a passion, to be committed, to truly mean it when I say he's number one in my life. We say words, but we don't always mean words. But a real disciple says those words and says, Lord, you take priority. You take priority over my business dealings. I want to do things right. You take priority in my relationships. You take priority in how I operate and how I speak. I want to live for you, Lord. I take this seriously. I want to grow and change. I want to be the man of God you've called me to be. I want to be the woman of God that you, that you, that you, that you want me to be. I can do this, right? A disciple is someone who moves ahead like that. And so a small group has the ability to provide an environment for growth. It has the ability to provide an environment of support, of care, of change. We all have bad weeks and difficulties. Imagine if you could sit in a small group of 10 close friends and you could just pour out your heart and have people pray for you and support you and encourage you. It's a strengthening of your spirit, right? Like, it's important to us. So we, we have to get ourselves into an environment where we can experience an opportunity to grow, an opportunity to be challenged, an opportunity to learn, an opportunity to be cared for, an opportunity to be challenged to change. We can't go to church once a week and think it's good enough. Someone said amen. No matter how awesome the sermon is. It's... I'm just joking, but you know what I'm saying? It's, it's only one meal. It's only one meal. And you need more food than that. So uh, our schedule is so full of stuff. 
But this is what I've come to understand, not only about myself, but about all of us. We can, we, we can say we're busy, and I'm busy, and you're busy, and we're all busy. But here's what I've discovered. I make time for what's really important to me. I, I do. And I'll sacrifice other things because I prioritize something that's more important. Sometimes we do it without even thinking. You know what I mean? But, but so we have to rid ourselves. So this is ready. Just grit your teeth a little bit, okay? But we, because this is just because I love you. But we have to stop saying I'm too busy. We just have to stop saying that. It's, it's brutal. And it's poor. I can't join a small group, Pastor. I got no time. Really. Seriously? Just like for one hour a week? Like, like you know, like we have to find time. Remember, I think there was a good sermon on that just a while ago. You know? Just one thing, I think it was called. You know? But, but it's important. And I think that we need to find a way to make sure that we're prioritizing spiritual health and spiritual growth. We need to find time. And so if we're too busy to find time to make sure we're okay on the inside, then I would suggest you're not going to be good on the inside for very much longer. You're going to suffer for that choice. We have to find ways to feed our soul. And small groups do that. They, they help us. So no matter how great the Sunday service is. We have to find time for what's important. It, and, and, and can I just ask this question, simple question? I mean, is our relationship with Jesus worth it? Is it worth finding a way to, to create time? How can we really become the disciples that we should be without putting any effort or time into it? When I was learning how to play guitar back when I was a kid, it's painful learning how to play guitar. It is. You know it. Uh, any instrument. But guitar literally hurts your fingers, right? You're pressing hard on little pieces of sharp metal and, and your hands, and you don't know what you're doing, and the teacher goes, press harder. And then you got lines in your fingers. You go home, and I'm 12, and I go, this ain't worth it. <laughs> I was like, you know, it's like, but, 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 you keep at it, you keep at it, you keep at it, your skill grows, your endurance grows, you know how it goes. This is worth putting time into. I, I encourage us, if we're only good physically, but we're empty on the inside, it's not good enough. Don't. Just focus on physical, focus on spiritual. It's important. It's a part of who you are. Our, our relationship with Jesus is worth it. And how can we really get to where we need to get to personally if we're not spending any time putting some effort into it with others around us to help us? So small groups help us to stay on track. They help us to move ahead. The smartest guy in the world ever to live said this in Proverbs chapter 27, verse 17. Put that up for me. He said this, As iron sharpens iron, so a friend sharpens a friend. It's important. 
that we spend time not just with people who drag us down, but we spend time with people who build us up. And a small group can do that. So I think it's important. So you get my point. Lastly, and then I've got to wrap up. Small groups create, here's an ugly word. You ready? Hold your breath. <gasps> Accountability. Oh! Oh, that's a hard word. Accountability. That is an ugly word. We want to be free. I want to do what I want. I don't want to have anyone telling me what to do. I want to be free, not accountable to anybody. I'm an adult. I live in a free country. I can make my own choices and do what I want. Yes, you can. But that's not actually how a growing disciple of Jesus thinks about accountability. We all need accountability. I need accountability. You need accountability. Right? How can we walk the narrow road without somebody watching our backs and yelling at us when we're starting to veer off to the left or to the right? Hey, Jeff, you're sorry, you're right. Get back on track, right? Like, we need that. I need that just as much as you need that. We need people who will care about us. We need people who will support us, you know, comfort us, help us, guide us. You know, we're all sinners. That's the bottom line. We're all sinners. None of us are perfect, sorry to say, right? I'm pretty sure that you're not. I'm not. Like, we're not perfect. We make mistakes. We face temptations and struggles. They're going to come our way. And when they do, they are better. we can better handle them when we're accountable to a good friend who is for us, not against us, by the way. This is for your own good. I love it when parents say that, right? I want ice cream for dinner. No, you're having Brussels sprouts. But, but I hate Brussels sprouts. Yes, but I'm smarter than you, and I know that you need these, right? A wise person knows that you can't eat ice cream for dinner every night, right? A four-year-old or a three-year-old, they don't think about that. But a wiser person understands that we need more than sugar. And so accountability is a part of a wise disciple's life. We know we need it. We don't balk against it. We don't fight it. We know that my wife helps me keep accountable. I help her keep accountable. Other people in my life, I'm responsible to our board and our staff. I'm accountable to people. And it's important that I am. And you need to be too. It just keeps us right where we need to be. And so we're better, we're, we, we can just better do that. Well, we can't do it alone. We need friends. And so this is why a small group provides accountability. In fact, put up for me Ecclesiastes uh, 4, 9 and 10. Again, written by the smartest man who ever lived. He said this, two people are better off than one for they can help each other succeed, right? If one person falls, the other can reach out and help. But someone who falls alone is in real trouble. Do you understand what he's saying? It's really important. I can't, if I fall and I'm alone, I'm in trouble. I need you and you need me and we need each other. It's arrogant 
to be blunt, if I could just be honest, it's, it's quite arrogant to think that you can do this alone with no support. It's arrogant to think that you can live the Christian life and be a disciple of Jesus with no accountability. It's wrong thinking, and to be honest, it's just arrogant. It, it is simply arrogance at its best form or its worst form. When we are serious about making progress about anything in life, the friendships that we create and the, and the friendships we're going to create in small groups, they help us to stay accountable, and that is a good thing. What is even the per- – people understand this. This isn't even a spiritual you know, thing in a way. I mean, why do people who struggle with alcohol go to AA? For support and (gasps) – really? Guess why? Because it works, right? Because they really want to quit. They really want to change. They're serious about it. And so when I'm serious about it, I'll receive the accountability into my life because I know that I need it. If I don't really want to change, if I'm happy with my situation and I'm immature, I'll say, leave me alone. It's a free country. I'll make my choice. You don't tell me what to do. It's nonsense. Then you're showing that you're not serious about change. You're showing that you're serious about not really doing what you, what, you, know, what you need to do to stay on track. And this is super, super important. So I, I'm speaking a long time, but this is really good stuff, by the way, just saying just saying. But, and and I, I'm closing now, I promise. But Acts 2, 46 and 47 say this. Put it up for me. They worshiped together at the temple each day. They met in homes for the Lord's Supper. They shared their meals with great joy and generosity, all the while praising God and enjoying the goodwill of all the people. And each day, the Lord added to their fellowship those who were being saved. I just wanted to say this in closing. Here's, there's one ironic thing about about um, when everyone gets connected in a small group. It's, it's a funny thing that happens, but I don't want you to miss it. When people get in churches, when people get connected properly in small groups, guess what happens? Church gets bigger. Come on, just help me out. It's true. I just showed it to you in Acts chapter 2. This is what happens. It's an ironic thing when you emphasize small connections, staying everybody small in small groups, that the group as a whole gets bigger. It's, it's, it's ironic but true, right? The Lord added to their number daily. The small groups that were meeting all over the city of Jerusalem were impacting everybody around them. Their groups were so awesome. They were knocking on their neighbor's door saying, Joe, you, you got to come, man. This group is awesome. You, you, you got to come. You know, Susie, you got to come. Like, you got to meet these people. These people are amazing. They like, it's just, you got to come. You got to experience this. This is the greatest thing ever. Like, the, their groups were growing and impacting, right? Their lives. They were bringing people to hear the apostles' teaching and then going back home and talking about it and being committed to each other. They were committed to, to being small, but as they were committed to connecting in small groups, their, their, their overall number of people kept getting bigger. And this is the funny thing as you focus on small, you get bigger as a whole. The Lord added to their number daily. So it was too good to keep to themselves. That was the point, right? A healthy church is a growing church. 
And God wants his church to grow. That's true. But the funny thing is, is as we get smaller, we'll get bigger. This is a part of what I believe is to be in our DNA moving forward. I would like all of us to somehow find a way to be connected to a small group somehow, some way.